Yeah, we'll just start. I can I can throw something out there. Okay. All right. Why don't you kick us off? Me? All yeah. Right. Hey, Matt. How's it going? Good. Hey, Michael. Let's let's tell everyone it's uh, Shores of Ignorance this time instead of waiting ahead until, of time. Yeah, yeah, right off the bat. <laughs> Welcome to Shores of Ignorance. Yeah, episode seven. Yeah, thank you guys for uh, listening, and uh, we definitely want to hear some of your comments so that we can kind of get some feedback, and we just want to hear what you have to say. Don't so. get too desperate. Oh, dude, you know what I need to do? I need to do that. Did you hit record? I just did. We're so. experimenting with filming this. Yeah. One. So. Mm-hmm. I'll just I'll just run the uh, <laughs> the shores of ignorance over it, then we can come in. Okay, nice. All right, so those are logistics. So uh, last episode, mm-hmm. that was fun. Yeah, that, that was, was something different. It was. I, I still loved your question. Like, did you? Do we feel qualified to uh, interview uh, Nicole about birth and yeah, uh, uh, postpartum and all that kind of stuff? And I thought it went really well. I definitely did feel the weight of a certain amount of like. Um, I don't know, like I couldn't relate to some of the things, mm-hmm. right? And like that mm-hmm. was felt very obvious to me. Yeah. Well, I think that was fun too. Nicole, she said like afterwards that it was really interesting. Some of the things that she sort of takes for granted and maybe even shares with other women. But for us asking her certain questions was actually challenging for her. She was mm-hmm. like, oh, I, I need to think about this in a different way. And so I think she came away with it with a lot of a lot too, which was which was kind of hear the hear the afterwards of it. So yeah, that's cool to hear. Yeah, it really was. Um, but it was just really I, I'm just so impressed with her that that postpartum group, and I just well, I would recommend it to anybody after they've had a baby and just need some uh, someone to be around and to talk things through. And uh, it's a really great program. Yeah, that definitely. Doing, so. The other thing I was thinking a lot about since that interview was the somatic experiencing mm-hmm. really piqued my interest. I, I ended up getting a massage at oh, some yeah. point after <laughs> and at the whole time, that's what I was thinking about as, yeah. you know, like different parts of my body wondering what might be there. Uh huh. Yeah. That's, that's, that's interesting. Like how, like what's stored, you know, like in your shoulders or your back or just, yeah, I'd be much to, to see that too. So. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, uh, we have David Ramirez coming up, so that's, that's right. going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. So you know him really well. Yeah. David's one of my uh, oldest friends. Wow. I guess counting all of the friends that I still have or that I'm still <laughs> in touch with. Uh-huh. We've known each other for probably 16 years. Okay. Maybe in some change. Yeah. We met uh, in the college years. We were both young, eager musicians. And um, was this when you were playing the French horn? I think I'd quit the French horn okay. by the time I met David. Uh-huh. Yeah. I quit the French horn like first year of college. I think I met David second year. Gotcha. Um, even though we went to different different schools, I was couch surfing <clears throat> at a school uh, in Dallas where he was going to, to college. Um, so I was playing in a band and driving back and forth between Dallas and Nashville. And mm. we got to know each other then. And then a couple of years later, uh, I had moved to Austin. I randomly walked into a potbelly sandwich store mm-hmm. to get a bite to eat and uh, turn around and there's David Ramirez sitting in the corner of the <laughs> potbelly playing some song and, and, I, and we caught eyes and just literally in the middle of the song he just stopped playing and put his guitar down and, came <laughs> up and we I was like are you like performing and he's like yeah and I was like well you could finish the song he's like no nah, I don't don't worry about it. That's funny. <laughs> so we, uh, we reconnected and, um, over the remaining years or years since then have just become really close, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, gone through a lot together, both personally and musically. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to talk in this capacity with one of my best friends. Mm, that's cool. Yeah. I think that's what, as we were talking about doing the podcast and, uh, um, you know, just a lot of things that you were sharing about how, you know, what music means to you and how you've kind of been in and out of it and how David has kind of continues to forge his way in music and has done really well for himself. And, uh, you know, the, you know, I guess creative parts of like writing a song and sticking with it. And I think Mm -hmm. we have a lot of questions in that area as far as creativity goes. Yeah. One of the, um, one of the things that sticks out to me about David is that through the years, um, you know, we've had a lot of friends that started out with us, whether as, um, singer songwriters or in bands and, and make really legitimate goes at a music career. Mm-hmm. Um, and off the top of my head, I, I think David's the only one who has really stuck it out. Hmm. Um, he has a great amount of persistence 
And um, that's been really cool to watch. I have a lot of respect for him mm. because of that. Um, and I think through that persistence, I, you know, I think I have a lot of thoughts around art and success, but one of them is that persistence is so much of it. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's shown some successes in David's life. I'm excited to have him share his perspective on that. Yeah. And also just living life too, as a musician, I mean, relationships and friends and touring. I feel like that'd be an interesting thing too, how that affects the creative process as well as just, uh, personally, like how you do that. I mean, I think that's, that's something you see, uh, I think in business and also music and, and how sometimes your, your, uh, craft can, can kind of really, uh, you know, mean a lot and really kind of stretch you in different places, you know? Mm. So, you know, oh, that's another thing too, is even like, uh, music as, as a business and music as an art too. I think there's some really interesting, uh, you know, where that tension is. Uh, yeah, I think you and I had kind of talked about a little bit of that. I think yeah. that'd be fun to kind of get David's thoughts on that too. Yeah, definitely. There's, and, and that tension I think is approached differently in an automatic way, differently when you approach something sort of wanting to be an artist mm -hmm. and when you approach something wanting to start a business. Yeah. And, and I think in both cases or a lot of cases, both of those mm -hmm. things are required, but yeah. I think it takes learning and time and maturity to where you, where you find a balance between the two that allows both to live and succeed. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. We're already, uh, we're already into it. Are we going too far? <laughs> in the intro? Maybe so. Well, anyways, guys, well, let's kick it off. Yeah. David Ramirez up next and, uh, you know, come to Instagram. We've got stuff there. Uh, what else do we, anything else there? Yeah. No. No. There we go. All right. I plugged. Here we go. <laughs> All right. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger stood around a It's a dream that you to the passing note of the song. Matthew, it's good to see you in my house. Yeah, it's been a minute. It's it's embarrassing when you when you ask me, you invite me over to your home, and it's been so long that I have to ask for the address again. I know what's <laughs> up with that. What's, like, what has become of us? I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here now. Thanks for um, coming and doing this with of course. us. I I'm super excited. I don't think we've interviewed anybody um, that I've just been so close to and gone through so much life with. Mm -hmm. And I was telling you when I asked Except you to do your this. Dad. Yeah, I was like, you're all <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but I was telling you when I wanted to do this, I was like, it's basically just going to be like any other night that we've spent on the picnic table on my back porch. Yeah, you know? totally. Um, Which is a great pitch. Yeah. I don't need to be convinced to do that. <laughs> well, let's just jump right into it. Um, do you feel persistent? <laughs> when, when people talk about it like that, I do. I, I don't... I think there was a time when I first moved to Austin, you were talking about a bunch of us were all playing music together. Yeah. Doing coffee shops or open mics and trying to book gigs. I think there was a time shortly after that, once I noticed people started kind of falling off, you know, getting married or having kids or just deciding to get like a proper job because of money or whatever, that I felt the need to be persistent because I think at that time it was probably the easiest to just say, yeah, if everyone else is kind of calling it quits. Yeah. Maybe I should, but I don't consider myself persistent now. I, mm. I think I'm in a place where it's just, this is just my job now. Yeah. You know, I don't wake up feeling a struggle to maintain or to be creative. It's just something that I do now. You feel like you, you, your career has reached or gathered enough momentum where you're not daily trying to push it forward. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's that. And then there's also, uh, it used to be a dream and it's not a dream anymore. It's, mm -hmm. it's my identity. It's just who I am, you know? And, uh, and I mean that in, in the most, uh, or in the least, uh, egotistical way. I just, I'm a songwriter and that's my job. Yeah. And so, um, when did that change for you? A few years ago, I guess. Um, I couldn't tell you a specific moment, but it's been like that for a little while now. Yeah. Was yeah. it like a slow transition? You just kind of totally. just found yourself like, oh, wow, this is my job. I, I do this. Yeah, I do this. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think once tours started 
being booked like six months in advance. I think that was mm. a really key moment because it wasn't like, hey, next month maybe we'll go on tour. It's like this is a you know the business side of things. Like I know what I'm doing next summer, you know, mm, and right. so your year is just sped up and you already know what's going on. I don't know. I think that plays plays a large part in it. There's a schedule now. Yeah. yeah. Did the business side always make sense to you or is that kind of, was that something you had no. to kind of learn? No, and it still doesn't really, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, I tried to, I try my best to kind of leave that to the people who enjoy it. And, uh, I just want to play mm-hmm. songs. Do so you have a team behind mm-hmm. you now? Okay, cool. Yeah. Management and, uh, agent and, a small label that helps out with like PR when a record comes out. So mm-hmm. there's a team. Business manager. That was fun. To get a CPA for the yeah. first time. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to do that. Stuff. I don't have to do taxes anymore. It's amazing. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can think of one time. There was one night we were out and this was, who knows, six, seven years ago. You said something to me like, I'm thinking I might get a job. Mm-hmm. And yeah. other than that one time, I can never yeah. remember you ever expressing any vocal or outward like yeah potential of not giving everything that you have sure all of yourself and, and that was during a time when you were still driving that old beat up kia that right. was such a huge problem is your home it for a long time a yeah, yeah um and booking booking tours just trying to fill space all of the time yeah and not making any money that, i think that was the big part about it yeah i still probably would have found weekends to play but it's not fun being broke for a very long time. Yeah. You can coast for a little while, but when you're talking about three years of still like the smallest amount of cash flow, it's uh it can be exhausting. Yeah, when you were in that space for a decade at least. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean only in the last two years have you know, I can you know I feel comfortable. Yeah, that's yeah. good. So Yeah, so that's how, really why, why the hell did you keep going, dude? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I love it. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a simple answer. I, mm-hmm. I love it. I believe in art. I, I believe in the necessity of it. I believe in the power it holds. And mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, it is fun. Like, it's yeah. just really fun. Um, there's nothing more gratifying to me than struggling to write a song and then getting it. Yeah. And when you have all the pieces there, it's... I mean, I'll stop around, stop around the house and light a cigarette and take a shot of tequila whenever mm-hmm. I get to a place that I just find so awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I make a joke that I don't, I don't do that after sex. You know, <laughs> uh-huh. I don't like stomp around the room and like light a cigarette and say "fuck yeah," you know. <laughs> um, uh-huh. And uh, and sex is great, mm-hmm. but there's something so rewarding about about writing something that you believe. You saying that writing a song is better than sex? Completing one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> writing a good one, definitely. Yeah. Uh-huh. You probably also. It's a long. It's a elongated process. Yes. The payoff is bigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The payoff is bigger. Yeah. I don't know. It's you're a songwriter, also. Yeah. Um, I think it's just really. It's a challenging thing because you're forced to look yourself in the mirror, and not just figure out who you are. And this is with every song. But what do you believe? What do you believe about the world? How do you see every song is basically your worldview. If it's a love song, it's like, well, how do you view love? And that's what you have to write about. So you have all these like self therapy sessions, and uh, it's I, a, I find it, it very rewarding. It's always been uh, like a self revealing process mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, when especially you know, I hit that moment where something clicks, and you're like, damn, that feels good. And yeah. then you step back from it, and you're like, whoa, yeah, what what am I saying yeah, about what am I myself? Talking about yeah, yeah, it's powerful. You know, and then and then the, you know, the, we all listen. We all listen to music, and we've all felt those moments of, um, just the wow moments when you hear a great song, and uh, being able to have that opportunity on a very small level, granted, but with some of my fans is, uh, it's life changing when you hear people's stories about something that you did. It's, it's pretty cool, pretty tight. You were saying earlier that you said that you feel like it's necessary. Yeah. Which part? Uh, well, creativity, I think, is necessary for all of us. I think everyone has to be creative to some capacity because exactly what we're talking about, it's revealing. Mm-hmm. We would know ourselves a lot better and be a lot more self-aware about 
everything if we just created not even just wrote but if you sat down with a paintbrush and you know painted a canvas from time to time just the discipline and the i don't know i find that to be necessary and i think art is necessary in the world um it's an escape for lack of a better term you know you get to be transported by someone else's story or life and i don't know it's beautiful yeah i think I totally agree. It's necessary on both sides. We yeah. have to create and we have to consume or, or be touched by the creations of others. Mm -hmm. Agreed. In order to understand ourselves and experience ourselves. There's a quote from somebody somewhere that says something like, art, art gives us the opportunity to explore every aspect of ourselves mm -hmm. in an area where there's no consequences. Yeah. You read mm -hmm. a, you read a fiction and you get to let those characters explore the parts of you that relate to them, whether that's the good guy or the bad guy. Mm. Um, it and sounds it, like and a Madeline Engel, like in the ooh, creative. It absolutely is. Ones. I think it's uh, walk, walking on water. Walking, walking on, on water. water. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's exactly where that was from. That was a good, that was a really good nice book. catch. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was it was triggering all those things. I was like, ah, yeah, nice catch. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really powerful. For me, I, I'm a, I love I'm a reader and and st I love studying things. But there is something about fiction that you can get into other people's characters and experience something prior to like actually going out into the world, mm -hmm. you know. And I think that's something that's really powerful. You you get that through music too. It's, mm -hmm. it's like you know you're listening to a song and they bring you into something. <coughs> it's almost like a gateway that they're like opening to you. That you might be like you're experiencing something that you might have not touched or or, or you didn't have the words for or, or didn't really understand what it was you know uh, i always think of it like like there's something for me whenever i whenever i'm going after something it's like there's this taste of honey mm -hmm. and so you kind of digging around you're you're looking at stuff and then you start to the, this taste kind of comes out you're like there's something in that mm -hmm. and so you start digging a little bit more and then you kind of have to peel away some of the nasty bits you know mm -hmm. And then, uh, and then you, and then it just gets more and more like, you know, uh, <laughs> flavorful, flavorful. Thank you. Yeah. Mm. And I think that's, I don't know if that's, that's how it is with, with music for me. Like I kind of, for me, it's ideas and stuff like that. that yeah. I think it's the same thing. After. I mean, with songs, it starts with a, a tiny little idea. Um, mm. and then you have to chase that rabbit. You yeah. Know? Um, and most of the time it ends in a, in a way you didn't anticipate it ending, but yeah. Yeah, the interesting thing about music, especially music where there is uh, a lyrical component to it mm -hmm. as an art form, hits and, and affects us in a way that's very, very different from any other art form that I can think of. And I, I think the, the only way that I can really describe that is that you have the musical component, which we have a very strong emotional reaction to. And then we have the lyrical component, which is somewhat abstract lyrics tend to be simpler than you would say something out loud or mm -hmm. write it in prose. Um, and we can feel something different from the music than the artist did when he wrote it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we get sort of a clearer picture of what the artist is trying to communicate from his lyrics. And the end is that the end result is the way that I experience it is that a, a song, you, you feel something and you experience something and you write it and you write the music and you write the lyrics and you sing it and a person receives it and something net new is created mm -hmm. in their experience. Different emotions, a different take. I've never written songs and had people tell me how, what they thought about it mm -hmm. and the way it made them feel. And it was something completely different than the position I came from when I created it. Yeah. And I think that's a really amazing thing. There's something very personal about it, but it's also a very communal and oral mm -hmm. activity mm -hmm. singing songs for people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I agree with that. Or even how the, the songs morph, too. I had a friend, uh, it was early on in college, followed around a lot. It was uh, Rodney Brannigan. And I saw this one song performed probably 20, 30 times. And we were at this coffee shop in Dallas one time, and he he like ripped the song. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just like, and it, it was funny because I heard, I've, I've listened to it so many times and he just went, I give you my love. It was like, it was just like a quiet time. He just let it, and it sure. shocked me. Sure. And it's, it is ingrained in my mind because like he took that song that I've heard 20 or 30 times and just went, just kind of like took me out of my, 
my my space and was just like, and I was just like, whoa. Yeah, no, that's great. Really that's beautiful. the beautiful thing about live. When things are live, you can't change them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you really, I, I firmly believe you're not singing the same song over and over and over again. Every night's different. The yeah. energy in the room's different depending on the city, depending on the crowd, size, and uh, demographic. Mm -hmm. Every song, you could sing a song, Shoeboxes, for instance, is the title of one of mine. I've sang it 10,000 times. Mm -hmm. but I firmly believe I've never sang it the same way twice. You, it's impossible. You sang 10,000 songs. I've sang <laughs> 10,000 songs, yeah. Completely totally. different songs, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think a great example of of this is what Ryan Adams did with Taylor Swift's 1989 record. Mm, yeah, that was cool. It's a completely different record with a completely different end result yeah. in, in me. Same songs. Same know, songs. Written down on paper, same thing. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Is it for, if for you doing it solo versus with a band? How does that change things for you? Um, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I never, I never, the dream was to never tour the world alone mm -hmm. you know uh I, I think everyone wants to be in a band no one wants to be just a sad guy by himself with an acoustic guitar um but i just couldn't afford having a full-time band and so it's just inexpensive and cheap to throw a guitar in a car so currently because i've done that for so long i i love playing with the band because there's just sounds there's other stuff going on <laughs> you know there's music um and there's energy and the, the collaboration is just a blast. Mm -hmm. it's, it's so much fun. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and the solo things, even if, it, if you, you have this upbeat rock and roll tune or whatever, even when you play it solo, like it's not as rock and roll as it would be with the, with yeah. the group, you know? Yeah. Do you, I, I would describe you and I think most people would as a singer songwriter, do you relate to that? I do, and I've tried to fight it over the years because I don't think the term singer-songwriter has any rock and roll characteristic to it. Right, <laughs> and that's why I ask you. Because uh, you love rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, of course I do. Who doesn't? You've got some rock tunes. Yeah, and uh, you know, and Tom York of Radiohead, if we're, being, if we're dealing with semantics, he's a singer-songwriter, but no one would say that about Tom York. Right. He's the front man of a band, Right. you know? Um, well, <laughs> but I fought it forever. But yes, yeah. I am a singer songwriter. Yeah, yeah, that's what I am. I, I guess sucks. are there are there any front men <laughs> front men of any rock and roll bands that aren't singer songwriters? That's my point. Yeah, it's like why did we create this term that just says the obvious thing? You know, can't you just call me like a folk artist or <laughs> it something? It is a strange term. Yeah, uh. <laughs> yeah, it's strange. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, we. Uh, um, I, I, Matt and I were talking about this before of like what how you uh, uh, classify different artists yeah and use different bands and and you try to meld them together so. yeah I feel like <laughs> generally if you ask somebody what genre they are I I tend to reference other musicians that rather than yeah. say a genre right you know because you say a genre and they still it's most people like too don't broad. know yeah Americano well, what's that okay well it's kind of like Neil Young or something you know yeah mm -hmm. I've I've tried in the last year and it's worked out so far just saying when people ask just saying it's american rock and roll yeah that's what i say americana is too broad no one really knows what that is and yeah. i think people are like oh american rock and roll i know i'm, I'm an american rock and roll band yeah. yeah and then they don't ask anymore it's great and the subject <laughs> is dropped uh, <laughs> yeah well michael was asking me what genre you were and and I and we had this sort of short conversation, but I it was interesting because I was noting as I was thinking about you that I, I think, you have come into your own in a place where people might mention your name in response to the what genre is this other person uh -huh. category, um, and and I, it's been really cool to over the years see you find your voice mm. that is uniquely you and the way that you seeing the way that you phrase things, the yeah. way that you say things. I, I think it was somewhere around apologies when I first started noticing that happen. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, and that's, man, I just want to celebrate that. That's incredible. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. I'm Did down to celebrate. That? Did you notice that? I, I don't think I noticed it then. 
I think I was still just in a mindset of like, I got to write songs because I need to make a record. And I'm proud of all the songs on there, but mm -hmm. I didn't really start noticing it until I think a couple years ago. Um, noticing your own voice. Yeah. And I think a large part of that had to do with uh, the band coming in mm. a lot more full time than it had been in the past. And we started touring more. And so I had to learn how to sing with a lot more confidence because there is a lot more noise happening on yeah. stage. Mm. And, um, yeah, you had spent so many times or so many years playing alone with an acoustic alone. guitar and learning to lead a room that way. Totally. And that's, at the end of the day, not that hard to do. Um, and so I, I learned a lot of, uh, I gained a lot of confidence from playing with the band because also when you're just alone on stage, you don't really, no one's really expecting you to move around. They're not expecting a show. Mm -hmm. They're coming to watch the songwriter tell the stories, you know? But with the band, it's kind of like, oh, people are showing up because they want to, they want to show. Yeah. Even if it's the quiet songs, like, let's move around, like, let's enjoy the space and let's engage people. Um, in that way, and uh, so that that kind of played a large part into it as well. So I think now when I step onto stage, I know how to get to that point, and I didn't know how to do that in the past. Hmm. Um, it's really freeing. It's, it feels really nice, and that's the fun part to me, anyway, being on stage. Mm -hmm. You recently uh, started a side project with a bunch of other guys, yeah, called Glorietta, yeah. What was that experience like for you? And, and did, you, did you gain more of that that you were just talking about from that experience? Absolutely. So Gloria is a, it's a hodgepodge mix of like five or six different songwriters mm -hmm. that all individually have their own careers. Okay. I think you can call it a super group. Super group, yeah. <laughs> I feel a little strange about that because none of us are particularly all that super. But yeah, it is a Americana super group. Americana super yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, but Matthew Vasquez, he wanted to bring us all together to make a record for fun. Oh, cool. And there's a lot of, we went out to Santa Fe, New Mexico, rented an Airbnb, brought a bunch of equipment like this and even more things, made a record in a week. And uh, we raged out there. We drank so much tequila and mezcal. It was insane. Hmm. And I think a lot of that shows on the record and a lot of that has definitely translated to our live show. Mm -hmm. And the live show is how they like to uh, define it as... Uh, we tour around throwing house parties in every city we go to. That's pretty oh, wow. much the whole thing. And um, so it's wild and it's fun and it's incredibly drunk. And um, and the crowds are loving it. And I had no idea what to expect. I was like, this might be just a disaster. And uh, my music, more often than not, is extremely sentimental and internal. And so you don't see a lot of people at a David Romero show with massive smiles on their face. Mm -hmm. And uh, at this Glorietta thing, I'm looking out in the crowd playing, and I'm like, everyone's just like laughing. <laughs> They're just like uh -huh. so happy watching this thing go down that it's just, it is a disaster on stage. Mm -hmm. But I think they love seeing the friendship. I think they love, yeah, I think ultimately it's the friendship. Yeah, the songs are good, but they're not life-changing songs it's yeah. it's just friendship on stage and and it's a good time so that taught me a lot too i i so i haven't caught the glorietta show yet I've next seen, friday i've seen your pictures online yeah, yeah next friday here in austin yeah, yeah that's right awesome. um but you were saying there's not a lot of happy faces at a david ramirez sure. concert i i've toured with you and played in your band yeah. long enough to know that that's not true but i just <laughs> i imagine it's a different kind of happiness, it's a different right? happy it's a different happy a lot of people are very like into the music and themselves and there's not a lot of like arms around shoulders yeah the friendship thing that's you're talking right about. yeah yeah there's not a lot of that yeah. for sure so that taught me a lot that as much as people really enjoy feeling all the feels and emotions at a show or in a film, they don't necessarily want to feel them all the time. That's, yeah. that's been a, a very large awakening to me. Mm. Um, and so I've been taking notes and this next record I do is not going to sound like Glorietta, but I'm bringing that, that mindset in like, let's, I mean, put out a record where people just have a good time when they listen to it. Yeah. It's not so, like, heavy or brooding, you know, but... Uh, <laughs> I feel like some people listening right now might be thinking, oh, no. 
<laughs> oh yeah I'm what sure. about my david ramirez yeah, commodity yeah, that yeah. i've come to love and expect totally. <laughs> we fit you in this category and you must stay there for the rest of your life yeah yeah that's gotta be hard as an artist as far as like you're you know, something's expected of you now like yeah and you it's like it's hard to like uh, just you talking about that right there was you kind of see a new a new a new avenue for mm. you to kind of creatively go which is kind of cool yeah totally and, pe and people are harsh with mm -hmm. with with the artists they choose to allow in their lives they they hold them very dear to their heart you know and if you want to change it offends them mm -hmm. and they are not afraid to tell you yeah <laughs> they're not afraid to tell you <laughs> that they are not a fan of you with the band mm -hmm. i don't like your band it's too loud i like you just alone <laughs> i don't like this new record there's not enough acoustic songs on it you know they will find you and hunt you down at <laughs> like, a show excuse me you didn't put in an order yeah like, like, who I'm the doing fuck this? asked you in the <laughs> yeah. first place yeah, yeah um but they will they will hunt you down and let you know and it's it can be it can be rough and very discouraging and also just like what's how do i say it they take the humanity out of the music like i am a person mm -hmm. So let me evolve like all people can and should, you know, allow that to happen. But they take the human out of it and it becomes very selfish. Mm -hmm. That's not across the board, but it does exist. Was there a time when you noticed that people started feeling like they had license to complain to you about? Yeah. Yeah. It's about your, your art. I think when I like really started playing full time with the band, yeah. that was when people really were like, I think they just felt like if we don't let him know now, then he's just going to be in a band forever. And uh, we got to, we got to stop this before it really gets going. Like, um, Excuse me. We already went through the sixties. We did this with Bob. Yeah, Dylan. We did this with Dylan people. Come on. Yeah, we're fine. Um, and, and on some level, I, I think as a band, we have a lot to work on. I, I have years and years to go before I really figure out how to be a, an incredible front man. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a lot of ways, I think people, they're coming to see a band that's brand new. And so we're not the best yeah. at what we do. We're mm -hmm. still trying to figure it out and find chemistry within one another. And so on that level, I'm sure we have played shows where it's just like, this sounds like a brand new band. It doesn't mm -hmm. sound like these guys have been playing together forever. Um, but just sounds so risky and, and also like kind of brave to like, do something that you're not as good at as your, you know, the one man show type yeah. stuff. So that seems. Yeah, it can be intimidating. Um, I don't know if I'd call it risky because mm -hmm. it's what I want to do. I, 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 yeah, I don't find that to be risky or courageous. Just mm -hmm. like, well, if I want to do this, then we got to work out the kinks. You know? Well, I mean, if, if it, if it fall, I mean, it's like, again, it's, it's you know, I, I, I'm going to go to the, this side of it. It's like, you know, it's your living. Mm -hmm. And what if it's not, you know, people don't respond the same way. Yeah. I mean, that, that can be pretty, I, I think of it with, you know, Medici and stuff like that. Like if I do the wrong thing or that, it's like sure. my livelihood, you know. Right. But again, it, there's, there's the other side too, but sure. there's that sort of like. I don't want to put like any, you know, <laughs> more like, oh man, it does yeah. suck. Sorry. No, sure. <laughs> well, if, if it is, if it is a deal with finances or money, mm -hmm. if we're, which I'll allow like, yeah, let's take a moment to just hypothetically say it's all about the money. Mm -hmm. If it is all about the money, I, I think I got to a point as a solo artist that I could go back to that yeah. and I wouldn't be broke, yeah. you know, fortunately not all about the money so um it, it's a win-win yeah you know so but anyway yeah makes sense yeah it does make yeah. sense yeah so if all else fails with these new ideas that you have with medici mm -hmm. then just go back to making coffee oh yeah just coffee yeah, exactly. and i think you'll be all right you well know? i think that's uh -huh. the thing is like because all those things do creep in but at the same time it's you know i love what i do and it's like we're, we're going into roasting i love your shop man it's yeah, great well, I think that's kind of what we were talking about earlier with the tension between the art and the business. And mm. I think anything that becomes, <clears throat> anything that has art in it, maybe, that's uh, not just sort of like reproducing some commodity. But, yeah. you know, you created Medici and people started coming mm -hmm. because of the love and care and the art that you put into the experience, into the product. Mm -hmm. um, it was real, right? And they started coming because of that. Yeah. And 
anytime something becomes successful, it is, I think, human nature for the people that, that made it and the people that come and start to love it to sort of think, oh, this is successful. It can't change mm -hmm, sure. because then it won't be the same thing and it will fail. Mm -hmm. yeah. But the problem is that it became that thing that became successful in the first place by being real yeah. and mm -hmm. by questioning itself and exploring totally. itself. And totally. so if you give into that, that motivation to, to not change it, then it dies anyway mm -hmm. because it becomes too rigid and people, it becomes Starbucks, yeah. you know, or whatever. Yeah. Um, so you have to continue to change. You have to continue to push your, your own boundaries. Otherwise you're not actually doing the same thing that you were doing when you right. started. You're actually doing now. If you were to be like, okay, I'll do what I'm hearing that I want. Mm -hmm. That would really be the major change. Sure. Like you yeah. would, you would be off the course that you started off on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's important to evolve, not just as the one doing the evolving, but for people to go on that journey with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, if my favorite artist made the same exact record every time, then how would I ever change? Yeah, totally. How would I actually, if a, a film director is going to make a movie exactly how I want them to make a movie, then I'm not going to get anything out of it. Because yeah. I only know what I know. <laughs> I can't change unless someone else who knows different things mm -hmm. influences that into me. And so it's a bummer sometimes because you're like, if we all let each other change, we'll all be better. But people get, people get scared. I think that's probably what it boils down to is just fear. Well, it's also comforting too. You know, it's, there's a certain level of whenever you're used to something, you can kind of like, it's safe. Um, and sure. I think that's something with art that is, you know, you're, you're stepping out into somewhat the unknown. And there's some, there's some ideas I've been kind of playing around with in this area of like, you know, even if you kind of look at, uh, say the lifespan of like humans mm -hmm. and the lifespan of like a baby to an adult, mm -hmm. you know, it's like when you're first starting off, there's a sort of like creative, uh, exploration where you're, 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 you don't really know what's out there. And you're so, so you're kind of like grabbing things and putting things in your mouth. Sure. And then you, as you're, as you're developing, you start to kind of codify some stuff, you know, and you, you know, this is hot, this is cold. Sure. And it's not until you're like later on, like many, many steps forward that you start to philosophize and rationalize. Sure. So it's like, you need those people that are stepping out there and kind of like creatively like playing or, mm -hmm. or and touching things and like, you know, even then kind of like even translating it to, mm -hmm. to, to other people, you know, sure. in different fields, whether it be art or music or, you know, business or, I mean, it, it can just, but you need those people are kind of out there on the forefronts kind of playing a little bit. Yeah. I, that just reminds me of exactly what you were just talking about with Glorietta. Like you got the opportunity to go out and play and, yeah. and, and experience something new that you didn't generally experience out of yeah. your other activities. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And now you're going to bring some of that back. And, yeah, and maybe having that project out there will help help people be more accepting of it. Yeah, hopefully so. I mean, in large part, most people are, and most people are fine. Um, so I, I by no means want to sound like all my fans are just coming up and dogging everything yeah. that I do. Yeah, yeah, totally. Just a handful of folks in a handful of places. Mm -hmm. For the most part, everyone's extremely supportive and incredibly kind. What do you what do you do to get, kind of get away or to if you need to like recharge or just like like you just hit a wall or or you know everything just sucks <laughs> at that time or so do you just do you just sit and wait it out or, or do you kind of like run naked down the street? <laughs> I, I I should try that. Yeah. That might help. <laughs> I don't think I have a thing. Yeah. I, I not like a quirky thing like Aaron's uh, Sorkin. If he gets writer's block, he'll go take a shower. Oh, and then he'll come back to his, his typewriter or whatever he writes on. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he's taking like six showers while he's trying to write one story. Uh -huh. You know, he'll just go do that. I've tried things like that. And it never really works for me. I just have to walk away. Mm -hmm. Just leave it. I, I think for, I think it's a lot simpler than we, than we try to make it. I just leave and go to a bar, mm -hmm. play pool, or I go watch a movie by myself in the theater, which I do all the time. Yeah. Um, I wish I had something really, really fun to share. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. it's pretty boring. Um, yeah. We should try the the running down the street naked. The running now. down the street naked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have when you I ever done that? 
I wouldn't tell you if I did, but <laughs> no, I haven't yet. <laughs> yet. Yes. Yes. Not yet. I don't think I've ever been naked in public. Like butt naked in public. Mm-hmm. I don't think that shocks me. Oh, I take this back. Skinny dipping counts. Skinny dipping yeah. counts. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. yeah. I was like, am I even living a life right uh-huh. now? Like, but I've never sprinted down a street naked. No. Uh-huh. But skinny dipping, yeah, that counts. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, well, I guess it depends on whether or not you get naked before you get in the water. Yeah. Because <laughs> one can imagine a scenario where... Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I prefer to get naked before the water. Mm-hmm. That's part of the rush. Yeah, that's the rush. Yeah. What we're living for. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah actually i did i did walk the through the forest naked one time but that was that was not public so well are you camping or something no it was a uh i was it was like a kind of a getaway and i was in the middle of absolute nowhere and i was just like i'm just gonna like go back to the basics yeah <laughs> You're out awesome. there with that's hysterical with two sticks and stones and you're making uh-huh. a fire yeah <laughs> You and the and Mother Nature, uh-huh. yeah, that's fun. But I didn't get anything creative out out of it, so it's just really nice. Yeah, <laughs> bummer. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing with being with uh, musicians. It's like I'm, the, I'm I don't have a lot of musical talent, so I always like to watch. I always like watching you guys' shows and stuff. Mm. So I was a good fan. Well, that's important too. Mm-hmm. I mean, b- before we we hit record on this thing, and we were talking about. A city that I just played this this last weekend. It was uh, energy is important in a room, mm-hmm. and uh, I think I think you're making light of it that you're a good fan, but it's like mm-hmm. incredibly important. It could make or break a show, you know, to have people out there that aren't giving as much as the people on stage are giving. Yeah, because um, that that is totally felt. Um, I think in both parties. Uh, yeah, it can ruin a show if people are just super lame. Yeah. They can be very polite. Yeah, totally, totally. Very polite. Uh-huh. But you're not going to give 110% on stage because you're like, do they even care about that me? Is a, that's a you really know? interesting point that I don't, I don't think people think about unless they've been in the position of being right. on a stage in front of a bunch of people totally. whose attention is dependent, yeah. at least in some part, on mm-hmm. you. Absolutely. Um and their their active participation in that attention absolutely is it it defines what happens on stage yeah. as, as much as the reverse because you can play like you know if you're a solo songwriter you know play a, a show and people are super quiet but there's two shows you know they're different these are really quiet these are really quiet but there's something about this room that they're just in it mm-hmm. even though they're quiet you they're feel like actively it. quiet actively quiet and it's a strange thing and i don't know if there's a way to teach it but it's just when the stars align and it helps like just because you're a quiet show doesn't mean that when the song's over you just have to give a golf clap you know mm-hmm. those other those other rooms are like you finish a song and they just lose their minds yeah. you know but then once you start the next one it's like uh-huh. you know and that's incredible that's what you want every night ideally because then you really go for it. What's been the worst show you've ever played? It has to be around some audience like this. Like some some cities, smaller cities in Scandinavia can be like incredibly psychotic. Like <laughs> just they're so timid. You The whole time you just feel like you're doing something wrong. Like oh, yeah. That you have no right being on stage basically. But... Then you finish the show and they're like, oh my God, it was great or whatever. But the whole, for an hour and a half, you're like, this sucks. I don't want to be here right now. I had a, I had a really long drive, like a seven hour drive. I forget from what city, but we were heading to this town called, I can't even pronounce it, Borlong or Borlange or something. And the venue was a bar that was in a Best Western. (laughs) And the venue was called Broken Dreams. (laughs) And it... (laughs) And it completely lived up to its name. Oh, man. Wow. So I think that's number one that comes to mind is mm-hmm. out there. Sweet people. Just a really hard evening. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Broken dreams. Broken dreams. <laughs> yeah, that's a fine name 
for a dive bar. Yeah. Not a good name when you're asking people to come in to and come like play. bear their souls. Yeah. And it was like 15 degrees. Could you be creative here? Yeah. No. <laughs> it was in the middle of the tundra out there. Mm -hmm. It was, was soul crushing. What is it about that that experience? Like it's almost like a transcendental or, or spiritual experience whenever those things connect. You know, it's like, because I could see it has to be both sides, like the audience and you yeah. coming together. And it's almost like you're making art or performing something that is greater than both of you. you totally. Know? Yeah. I don't know what it is. Yeah. It's just magic. Damn it. I was hoping you would know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. But it's real. Mm -hmm. You can feel it. And you know, when you're at a show and you're watching somebody on stage, just yeah, destroy it. And you're like, where is that coming from? Sure, a lot of it's talent. Sure, a lot of it's practice. Mm -hmm. But probably in that night, if they're really swinging for the fences, 90% of it, I would imagine, has because the crowd is bringing it also. Right. Yeah. yeah, which is, it's pretty cool. Yeah, because like some of the stuff we're talking about, or, uh, or have been talking about, like this idea of that order and chaos, like always having one foot in chaos and one foot in order. And it's like this, like, uh, who is it? That, I think it's, Peterson talks about this or Brett Weinstein Peterson uh, talking about like watching a gymnast that is like in the uh, going for the gold mm -hmm. and their routine is insane. Mm -hmm. Like it's they're on the edge of at any moment they're pushing their skills beyond their abilities totally. and they could eat shit at any moment, but sure. they pull it off and the crowd just goes, Whoa. Yeah. What just happened? I mean, I'm not even—I don't even know much about gymnastics, and I watch it's it. It's wild to watch. And I'm just though. going, I don't know that what you just did, but it looked amazing. Yeah, I, and I don't and know I anything some about some danger in it, despite the obvious <laughs> uh -huh. massive amount of skill that you just mm -hmm. displayed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know much about athletics, but I imagine it's got to be something different than a live music show. I feel like you you have to turn turn yeah. it off, yeah. like turn your head off. Uh huh. Like not in in gymnastics know. or athletics. Yeah, I think so. Like remember remember that uh, Kevin Costner film for Love of the Game. I don't know if I ever saw it's it. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. First of all, Kevin Costner and baseball. It, that's just that's PB and J <laughs> right there. Uh -huh. It's a recipe for greatness. And uh, but he's a pitcher, and as he's about to pitch, every every throw. He looks at the catcher and he says to himself, clear the mechanism. Oh, and then yeah. all of a sudden you see like the peripheries and the camera, like everything just goes blurry mm -hmm. and silent. And it's like one of the coolest scenes ever. Clear the mechanism. And then he can just pitch and mm -hmm. he's on. I think there's got to be some level of that with, with athletes. Mm -hmm. Do you relate to that at all from a performance aspect? Uh, no, I never really want to turn it off. I want to feel it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, no, I never clear my head or anything. Do you feel more open when you perform on a stage? As a as a person? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's when I'm my most honest self, mm. for sure. Um, yeah. I, it's easy to hide out here, but it's it's not easy up there. And it, uh, I don't think it's I don't think they deserve that. They deserve honesty, mm -hmm. you know. Um, we all bullshit each other. This is a thing that I think about constantly. We we all bullshit each other and ourselves, like on a pretty regular basis. We exaggerate things, we lie about things, but there's something about when you see someone performing, that now's not the time for you to be full of shit. Mm -hmm. Like, if we were hanging out at a bar and you're telling me some outlandish story that maybe half of it's true, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'll take it. Yeah, cool. I want the laugh, you yeah. know. But if you're full of shit on stage, I don't want it. And um, I think there's there's an honesty that is demanded um, in my kind of music. Um, some bands it doesn't. You know, you can do whatever you want, but for the stories that I'm trying to tell, and I think that's necessary for sure. Yeah, it seems like there's some that are more performance oriented and just in general, like they're putting on a, almost a play or something. Sure, yeah, yeah. Than a, than a more of a connection. Yeah, like I'm sure Sigurd doesn't, they could do whatever they want. You know, I don't know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. It's just beautiful music. Yeah, but I, mean, I still think that there's that requirement for honesty. I mean, I think you can feel it yeah. when someone performs music sure. live and, and you're not getting all of them. I mean, True. whether it's Sigurd or 
I mean, they make me you, weep. So, yeah. It, so it's got to be coming from somewhere. Right. Yeah. You know, and I've, and I've seen them play live once, and I definitely felt massively connected to what was going on on stage. That's cool. I mean, even in a massive amphitheater. Sure. You know, sitting in the nosebleeds. Right. Felt it. That I don't think you can manufacture that out you of any place out of, other it. than honesty. Yeah, for sure. Well, hell, it's all honesty then. We solved it. <laughs> we solved it. <laughs> we got it. Oh, we answered one thing. There we go. Good. Yeah. I can I can take that one home. With yeah. Me. But how's like once you step off stage? I mean, is it uh, in my mind? It would be like sort of like I just bared my soul, and you step off stage, and it's you're going back to the naked analogy. You're like. Oh shoot! I gotta put my clothes back on, or you uh-huh. just kind of like proudly walk off stage naked, you know? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Yeah. I don't know because uh, pretty religiously, I go out after a show to mm-hmm. drink. Yeah, and a large part of that has to do with just bad habits I've formed, but a lot of it, I think, I want to celebrate that moment. I okay. think there's a lot of that too. Like, we just did that. That's yeah. always been a big thing, and we were doing that. Yeah. All the time, and when we were playing shows, yeah. there, there is that was that desire to like. Yeah, we just did this badass, amazing thing. We, we gotta just, celebrate. We did this. Yeah, mm-hmm. we gotta have Did a you dream. feel that? Yeah, <laughs> I felt it. Did totally. you feel it? Totally. And I think sometimes I'm unfair to the band because I, I don't require them to go out every night because that's nonsense. But there are nights where they're like tired, and so they we get done packing up. They're like, "All right, head in the hotel," and it makes me so sad. <laughs> <laughs> You give them the puppy dog face. Uh, pretty much. I'm like, yeah. really? Okay. All right. They're like, we've been going on for a week straight. All right. I need some sleep. I'm like, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I like to celebrate it. And it's really fun too because, you know, more than likely you'll run into somebody who's at the show. And then I like talking to people. Mm-hmm. Just most people at a, at a Ramirez show, if they're a guy, they're trying to be a songwriter mm-hmm. on some level. Mm-hmm. Most of them. And so you run into people at bars and just talk shop and I, I get off on that. It's really fun. Like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How uh, shift gears a little bit. How, um, try to think how to phrase this. I'll just go general with it and you can kind of pick what you want out of it. But I, how has this life for you affected your relationships, mm. the way that you, relate to people i mean i think there's some really obvious aspects to that question and one is you're gone a lot yeah um which affects your ability Mm -hmm. to to sustain relationships in the same way that other people may um but there's also an an element i think of the question you know i I think i noticed maybe a year a year and a half ago that there was a distinct sort of change um in you know before we'd go out to a bar and hang out and it was us and whoever we invited. Yeah. And then at some point people started coming up to you. Mm-hmm. I could be out. We're trying to have a conversation, catch up on something right. personal and it's hard because sure. people are coming up. Hey, you're, you're David Ramirez, right? right. You know, like that's happening now. Yeah. That's happening now. So, um, how do you, yeah. How has this job or how do you perceive that this has affected your relationships and, and your, and, and your position there? Um, that's a great, I mean, that's a great question. Something I think of often. And I think it always changes too. Um, but one thing that is always a struggle is just how incredibly selfish I can be because I know we all struggle with selfishness so maybe I'm not alone here, but the world that I've created for myself regarding my music revolves around me completely. Mm. It doesn't involve anybody else. Even when the band's there, they're my songs, you Mm -hmm. know, like we don't write together. There's, it's my life. And so I think that's been difficult for relationships because I, and it's something that I'm still working on and have to be very intentional with, but uh, yeah, I don't, if you want to hang out with me, you got to come see me or mm-hmm. whatever, or, you know, me and my gal. It's like, don't tell me what to do. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I'll do whatever I want. Like people know me, you know, like I don't say these things out loud, you know, but there's this <laughs> mental thing of like, I, I, 
people adore me. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you being like this? You know, can't you just like adore me also? You know, and the, these struggles are, are very real for me. Um, so that's a big one that I constantly have to work on. Um, as far as people saying hello in public, it doesn't happen to a point now where it's annoying. It's mm-hmm. occasional. So it's yeah. really nice and like flattering. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, I don't think about that until it happens. I'm like, oh, that's right. There's music out there. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, does it ever feel oppressive? This, this thing, this, oppressive. this have well, having this part of you that's that's out there that's constantly existing. Yeah, and even you know, describing sort of this sort of world that revolves around you. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know. Oppressive. It's uh, it's strange to think about it because for the longest time I've been working to get to a place like this right. and it's kind of happening, but I worked so long where no one knew who the hell I was or cared. And so now it's like, I don't know. That's kind of a weird thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't walk into a bar being like, but there's some people here who know me, you know, right. cause I'm still in my head, the guy playing open mics at a wine house, you know, um, I wouldn't call it oppressive. Not for me, anyway, and certainly not right now. It's not on a large enough scale to be oppressive. I don't think. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that that was the right I don't word. Think, I, I, Maybe I know what you're getting at, but I can't figure out the word, the word that you're looking for, though. Suffocating. <laughs> Maybe so. I mean, I feel like I, I feel like a negative aspect to that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think f- for me, and maybe this will answer your question. But my identity for so long was wrapped up in this exclusively. I am mm-hmm. a songwriter. I'm a singer. I tour and make records. That is who I am in a nutshell, head to toe, heart to soul. That's who I am. And it wasn't until the last, and then I lost a couple of relationships because I was that self-involved where I would outright say to this person's face, you are number two in my life. Mm-hmm. My number one priority is this music and my career which I can't believe I had the audacity to say this to people, um, but that's how self-involved I was. And it wasn't until a couple years ago that I really started to see me in a different light. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it had to do with a lot of friends like calling me out. I think it had to do with losing another relationship because of my behavior. And I don't know, it's just been nice to explore my identity in other ways, like, I'm not just a musician, yeah. you know? I'm a son. Mm-hmm. I'm a brother. Mm-hmm. Um, currently and thankfully, this and hopefully this lasts forever with my gal now, but I'm a partner mm-hmm. in life. And uh, so I've been taking those things into consideration, but I think that's what was oppressive in the past or suffocating, is that I was so one-dimensional yeah. that I couldn't, I actually couldn't do anything positive except for right songs except to the service of the thing that was first totally yeah did you feel like it was like you're almost a caricature of yourself type thing or i don't know it probably could have got there Mm -hmm. um if i was just making the same records yeah all the time but but i got out of that with with this last album which i'm thankful for yeah yeah that sounds sounds badass that whole uh uh what was it called glorietta Glorietta. Glorietta. Oh, yeah, but my record, oh, my personal that. record that okay. came out last year, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's quite a departure from what I used to put out, and that was very refreshing, and I think helped me not become a caricature of myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty awesome to have friends that call you out, though, too. Yeah. I, I'm, I don't enjoy it. No. <laughs> no. Um, but in hindsight, I'm uh-huh. very thankful for it. Yeah. Uh, but at the time, I'm like, I don't want to hear that. Yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, they might fuck a lot. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. That's hard to do. You know, it's like uh, having people that are around you that can say, like, "Hey, man, that's kind of shitty." Totally. And be okay with, not, you know, like, not afraid of how you're going to react, or even like to, you know, lose your friendship or whatever. It's like, no, this is actually more sure. important than sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it's and it you know it hasn't been a dozen of friends. I'm sure. It's not like this onslaught of critiques I'm yeah, getting totally. from everybody, yeah. but 
it's particular conversations in certain moments. And three years ago, I had a friend who lives with me here in Austin. Mm-hmm. He just said, dude, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, I love you, but you're acting like a real piece of shit. And uh, what you did was absolutely terrible. I was like, oh, okay. Hmm. I had to take some stock in that. That's mm-hmm. a good friend. It's a good friend. Yeah. For sure. I think we all need that in our lives. Yeah, we need to give it to, and I'm, I'm so scared of doing that to some friends, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's terrifying because you may lose them, you yeah. know? Or, I don't know. Yeah, it's like even like relationships, like Alice and I, my wife and I are very non-confrontational in general. Mm-hmm. And I remember it's about oh, dude, maybe eight years into our marriage. And uh, I had to learn how to say, because like she would say something that would hurt my feelings. Mm-hmm. But I knew that she didn't mean to say it in that sure. way. And so I'd be like, ah, oh, that's okay. Right. Oh, she didn't really mean that. But right. I had to learn like to say, obviously in the, in the most non-confrontational way, it's like, hey, you know, babe, that thing you said, that actually kind of hurt. Yeah, that hurt my feelings. Yeah, it hurt yeah, my feelings. Totally. You know, just acknowledging that and, totally. and hurt to me also, mm-hmm. you know. And it's just, it, it's kind of hilarious because we're, we're, you know, it's like a lot of times that will come out like, man, you piece of shit. Yeah. You made me, you know, it's like, you, totally. know, you start yelling and screaming, but we're kind of more like, hey, you know. <laughs> but but it's actually really good. You need to have conflict and you need to have things that you butt up against. You know, right. it's like, if you don't have that in your life. It's like. Well, I always find you get the responses that you're actually looking for when you approach it with calmness. Yeah. When you just say something as simple as, hey, that really hurt my feelings. You actually get the response of, like, I'm really sorry for that. Mm-hmm. Instead of blowing up on somebody and then they blow up at you. And then yeah. next thing you know, it's six hours later and you're still arguing about it and someone's sleeping on the couch. Yeah. You know, that's not fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I think how to handle conflict is like a huge, yeah. huge thing. Or to be called out. <laughs> yeah. This has been nice. Yeah. It's been cool. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't, uh, I haven't talked shop in forever. Yeah. It's, it's strange to be asked questions about things you never talk about. And then you start opening your mouth and you're like, oh, I guess that's how I feel about it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like you got you got to have that too. I, I think of you know even even just in doing these things when you were you know you're talking to people and mm-hmm. and and it just starts like activating these parts of you that are not that you're not aware of all the time. Sure. Um, you know, even I I, I pick Matt, pick Matt's brain all the time. And, yeah. And I'm like, okay, Matt, I'm just gonna throw all this stuff on the table. <laughs> right. And then you kind of help me organize this. Sure. You know. Sure. And I think and, it's like part of the the process of self discovery through creativity. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think even just an active, intentional conversation, can show you as much about how you feel and think mm-hmm. as a, a, a different creative process. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah absolutely. And that's interesting. I, you know, a lot of the, the sort of guys doing podcasts right now and like the intellectual dark web and whatnot mm-hmm. are talking about just the surprising power of long form discourse that was not available to us not very long ago. Yeah. Um, and it is kind of surprising that you have a lot of people putting out one, two, three, four hour long podcast episodes. Yeah, it's crazy. And thousands and thousands of people are listening to them. Right. You know, these aren't just conversations i'm starting to come to see these as works of creativity works of mm-hmm. art n- maybe not so different than the songs or 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 maybe the books yeah. that we used to read sure yeah definitely well it helps me I, I i get so much out of it when i when i see somebody or hear somebody um working through an idea or like having a back and forth uh, it, it, it's like, it kind of like, I feel like it kind of like paves some space for me mm-hmm. to kind of like occupy something that I, I had never been in. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, like even when you were explaining like the, the connection between the audience and the, in the, and you on stage, mm-hmm. it's like, it's like, I feel like when you were explaining that I got to kind of step into that space mm-hmm. as an observer sure. you know, and be like, Oh wow, that's really beautiful. Yeah. And so you can kind of like, almost whenever you you hear that or you're in that experience again you're just you can kind of let yourself go into sure. it and you can recognize it maybe yeah I, I, I don't know I'm kind of just 
Uh, just thinking about no, it. No, I think you nailed it. I mm-hmm. think that's I think that's the idea for sure. Like, do you ever like when you're on stage and you're like going, you're like, oh man, here it comes. Or you you feel like the almost like the the space opening up. Sometimes <laughs> and you're stepping in it. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Uh, yeah, I mean, it depends on the on yeah. the, the song for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I had something on my head and then I lost it, so. It must not have been that important. Mm. But no, thanks for the questions. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. People, uh, yeah. Thanks for the questions. Yeah. It's <laughs> good. Well, hey, real quick, I got, what's, uh, what's some things that you have coming up? Where, where, where are you kind of heading or what are your thoughts? Is there anything that's kind of like you're kind of pointing towards or that you are? I mean, uh, the next thing like musically is just getting a, a, a record done another one um but i'm gonna spread it out this time i'm just gonna be doing like a week a month i mean that may change but right now the goal is a week a month for till whenever it's done Mm -hmm. Um, a week a month of recording of recording yeah Yeah. and um so i'm excited about it it's gonna be it's gonna be really different um but outside of that not i mean i'm not i got these gloria shows coming up next week i'm not sure when this will air but Mm -hmm. 13th, 14th, and 15th in Dallas, Austin, and Houston. And then, um, yeah, I'm taking a couple months off. Cool. January and February will be chill. Hang with my gal, seeing some movies. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it'll be cool. Man, I love you a lot. Love you too. I've always respected you a lot for, for, well, for a lot of things regarding music, but outside of that, I respect you a lot as a, as a man. Thank as you. A, as a person who values and pursues honesty mm. um and that's why i wanted to talk to you on well, this podcast so well, thanks for joining us cheers thanks for yeah. having me it was awesome yeah all right well uh thank you guys for uh coming out or coming out or whatever you're in your room or whatever they could be out <laughs> they, they could, could be, be out, out in a forest naked, <laughs> uh, that's, naked true. Forest. <laughs> that's that's your that's your homework uh for the next episode <laughs> is to go into the forest naked and run or walk but yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for listening. Shores of Ignorance with uh, Michael and Matt McCloskey. Yeah, and thank you, David, for coming out. No sweat. All right, we'll see you guys. Bye. Thanks. Sorry.